Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Your Fest, the podcast all about festivals. Tommy, do you want to explain to any new listeners how this podcast works? Yep. Every week we invite a different guest on to talk about their dream music festival. Three headliners, anyone dead or alive, and we need days of the week, a name and a location for said festi. So this week's guest is Matt Huron, aka Matchin Tendulkar, owner of Roller Soul, a legend of the loosely based cricketing podcast Tailenders, and most importantly, 38th coolest person in Bristol. Tommy, he's one of your colleagues and friends. I think you're quite excited for this one. Oh, I. He's a legend and a lovely guy. And as it turns out, a your fest nerd. Yes, he is indeed. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Hashtag Tailenders of the World Unite and Takeover. Go well. Cheers. Matt Horan, welcome to your fest and to the Orfest planning committee. How are you doing today? Hello, thanks for having me. Very excited to be on. My moustache, not moustache, friend. <laughs> A fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Matt, you're the first uh, person that we've had on this podcast that is also a fan of this podcast, so it's a great honour for us, um, as I'm sure it's a great honour for you to be joining us today as well. It is a massive honour. Also, it gives me the ability, I can, not only I can present my own festival, I can also slag off all the other choices of past guests. (laughs) I like that. We've never had someone come in with, like, that sort of sass before. Um, Oh, this feels like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just from like the talking beforehand and that and just the way Johnny introduced that it feels, it feels like a make a wish thing like, <laughs> like we're doing like we're doing matching a favour <laughs> it is because we because we were supposed to do this weeks ago weren't it? but you kept bumping me off for, for bigger guests which is understandable <laughs> but it's giving me a chance to kind of mull over my festival shows now I've been, been switching it out it's been a hot topic in various uh, whatsapp groups Oh really? You've been, change, you've been it changes every day. Also, right. no one's ever asked you no one ever asked you who you'd have on your festival. Have you do you know who you'd have? Oh well, Johnny, do you want to uh I, Pearl I think Jam, I did I, I recently I, I recently did tweet about this. Uh but um Johnny, do you wanna tell Matchin and the listeners what the uh what the deal is with that? So if and well, I was going to say if and when. If this podcast, if this podcast ever comes to a close, our final ever episode will be me and Tommy revealing what oh. our dream festival lineups will be. So either there's a rush to get us cancelled that people are that desperate to hear who we pick, <laughs> or um, people will will have to wait a long time. Anyone can, I think, legitimately make a good guess of what Tommy's dream festival would be. I don't know. Um, but I think I'd be I know Tommy, but I, I could make a better guess of what yours would be, Johnny. I think I think my dream festival uh Friday my... night, Pearl Jam, Saturday night, Kiss, Sunday night. <sighs> this is this is impressive matching. Like this is this is a genuine I don't know. We've we, we've made this guy's day, Johnny. Look <laughs> <laughs> I'm, what what's most shocking is that Matt hasn't come on and revealed that he's wearing like a t-shirt with our faces on it. Or in, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, like in Alan Partridge, where he's got the tattoo of a Partridge's no, face on his chest. Glory be! It took fourteen hours. I fainted three times. Chad, I- I'll level with you. I'm really scared. <laughs> um, 
In fact, I think I'll go. No. No, it's okay. I'll go. No, stay. Don't go. It's genuine. It's a good. It's really. It's a very enjoyable pocket. And what I get, what I like, not to blow smoke at your asses, but you always learn like little um, little wormholes of things to, to follow up afterwards. Like it was Chris Warburton was talking about that podcast. Um, with, oh, what was oh, it? Oh, disgrace time. Yeah. Which I've not that. stopped listening to since. Like, yeah. I've, genuinely, I've 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 gone through about twenty episodes since uh, since we spoke to Chris. Um, was, um, there was another. Who was the one you were talking about? It was like with bit, the mashup with Biggie and the XX. Love um, that. Um, that was with Asim Chowdhury when we talked about Bugazi and the Grey album and um, the Notorious XX. The yeah, Notorious so XX album is really good. Way, like, you kind of follow up. So yeah, it's a good. Um, I love it. Well, as as I, I mean, I've I've found loads of bands that you know, like the Replacements, so I'm obsessed with now, and I I never really got into before. We discovered that through through this podcast. Which look at Johnny's face; he's so happy, um, so proud, like a proud father. And I may as well jump in and say that I've ignored every single music suggestion that Tommy's <laughs> ever said. So even Keel at the end of the day. Anyway, um, oh. as as a fan of the podcast, you'll know that Tommy likes festivals. I don't like music festivals. What we really need to know is where do you stand on that? Are you a fan of them or do you hate them? I'm a, I'm a massive musical festival fan. Yeah, I love them. Really? I've been to, been to a lot and it's my, yeah, it's my happy place. I love, nothing I love more than being at festivals. Uh, what, what's the, have, have you been to, uh, maybe I'm stereotyping a bit with your accent and which neck of the woods you reside in, but have you been to Glastonbury? Yeah, yeah. So we started good, yeah. Many times, is the obvious one, but I've been to yeah, I've been to Reading and Leeds, and went to Tea in the Park a couple of times. Went to Benicassim. Um, nice. Yeah, so I've been I've been around. I can't, I'm to, when Tom, when you talk about festivals, you're like, in 2003, I saw so and so. Like, <laughs> I can't tell you one single year I've been to what I I know general vibe. I could probably tell you what I was drinking, but I, I don't. The Killers has basically been at every festival I've ever been to. And that's all I know. <laughs> but other than that, don't ask me for something specific. Who did you see in 2004? I just, I don't know. I rarely know what day that is. So. I, don't, I don't know if you've watched The Queen's Gambit, but I think Tommy goes to sleep, when he's going to sleep at night, he just sees the festivals on yeah. his ceiling. <laughs> and that's how he remembers. Like, who is moving where on the ceiling? And that's Reddit how he remembers where he was. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I, um, I don't, the, the thing is, like, I mean, I know what you're trying to say, and I, um, I, I refute the claim that I'm some sort of nerd who doesn't get, you know, who doesn't get fucked up at festivals. Because, because I do. We've been we've been out together, Maxim. I do. I, yeah. I, like, oh, he drinks, but um, he does drink. I <laughs> I'm gonna have this week if you can. But um, I no, I I don't know what it is about. It. I, I I mean, I suppose like that thing that Johnny said, like in a piss takeaway. But there is some sort of truth to that when I. When I remember a year, I, I, can, I can see the lineup in my head pretty much. But also, it helps that for the last, like, I think six or seven years of festivals, um, and we should probably share this, should probably put a thing down there. Sorry, I'll get out of Brent mode now. Um, but Rich brought a GoPro, I think in 2014. Uh, Rich is my brother, as uh, listeners to this podcast will know, and as much will know, as Johnny knows. But he bought a GoPro 2014 and has subsequently took it to every festival we've been to since. So, and then he's done like a really nice edit of 
you know, our adventures. He's just kept it in his head for the whole thing, whether it be a week in Barcelona or a week at Glastonbury and made some like brilliant videos. So I have these memories that are actually not just uh, drunken memories, but they're actually, they're actually there and visualized. It's a good idea. Like if, Sounds if, if quite you Black listen Mirror. To... Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit weird, not gonna lie, but uh, <laughs> but I would recommend it if you go if you go like the same group of friends to festivals. It is a pretty cool thing to do. So he's like, just you filming know. every conversation on his head. He just films the whole the whole. The yeah, whole but he did, like I mean, not all of it, but uh, you know, and then he'll hand the GoPro around and just like right. I mean, I've, I I the more I say it out loud, I, I, maybe there is a theory there that he's a psychopath and he's just like wants to uh, <laughs> log what we've all been doing and saying. It's just It just sounds like he's trying to make his own version of Peep Show, to be honest, and he's just yeah. going to re-record re his own, what was going through his head when the GoPro was on his head. It's like sharing a bed with Fozzie Bear or Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> maybe something could happen in the same bed human nature might take its course. Kind of like a modern day eunuch, aren't you, Mark? It is kind of like that, to be honest, but it's it, like, it, it does, you know, it's it's nice to have the memories there. Um, but yeah, now I say it out loud, now I think of it, what a fucking freak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big advocate of taking foot, like, I know people get a bit annoyed at it, especially when you're at an indoor gig and all the phones are in the air and things like that. But I'm a big advocate of taking photographs when you're at like gigs and, and wherever you go and when, whenever you're with your friends, because it's a good thing to hold close to you, isn't it? not to get too uh, emotional. emotional about things, but it's good to look back on these things and like in years time, if you still got it, you know, you, get, you have like 20,000 photos on your phone anyway. So when are you ever going to go through them? But it's always good to be able to look back on those memories and have a tangible Thing. It's not well, yeah, especially especially after the year we've had, especially after the year we've had, like you know, like matching. We had we we did that tailenders gig, what like a week or two before, yeah, before before coronavirus, and yeah, that was the last time. You know, you, yeah, yeah, same here. I think yeah, <laughs> um, but you look, but I I'm, I agree, John, because I'm one of those guys who like I remember one of my mates was like, "Why are you always taking pictures? Well, memories. You'll thank me one day." So, don't know what your thoughts are on uh, taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a great, um, <laughs> a great welcome to the today. photography podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I would take. I didn't mind a picture, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't film my whole weekend on my head. <laughs> that I'd draw the line at that, and I think my mates wouldn't appreciate at two o'clock in the morning me going. Say something funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be ostracized from the group. I did, yeah. It would be yeah. when yeah, when you're reminiscing about oh, what was that like? Was it as good in my head? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's very scene. I remember when I was in when went to um this was one of the, I went to tea in the park once and um that was like, have you ever been to Tea in the Park? Like the Scottish are just... Uh, no, but I've heard I've heard the stories, yeah. Yeah, they're just a different level of of mad. Like, but the, the end of a night in Tea in the Park is quite like apocalyptic. Everyone's like burning their tents down. And and I, I remember we came back from... We were going back to our tent then and we were a bit messy. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I could have done with the camera on my head. But we came back to our tent... <laughs> 
and there was a it, me, it was me, Ace, my mate Ace and Shaky. We came out to our tent, we opened it up, and there was a girl that was lying passed out in our tent. And we were like, fuck, <gasps> what if she's dead? We've got no alibi. That's why we needed the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just because you're in a bit messy anyway, like, well, what are we going to do? Like, what we've got no, have we got an alibi? What's going to happen? The Scottish don't like us anyway around here. This is not going to go well. So we we came in and I was first age. I was I was the only one that was first age trained. So they're like, Matt, you help me. You, you see what's wrong with her. So we like gently stirred her, and we're like, "You're right. You're okay." She like slowly came around and she's like, "Oh, where am I? Where am I?" And she was all right. She was from we, Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> we we gave her some water. And like a beer, some fags. We're like, are you all right? Should we, should we ring your mates? You enjoy? And she was like, no, no, no. I'm fine. She got on. She walked off. Turns out she'd just been robbing our nick and all our stuff in our bags. And then when she heard the, the te- when she heard us come in, she just played dead. Oh my <laughs> God. She got what like credit fuck? cards. She had chickies back. Like, and she, and then we gave her all our stuff. And she went off into the night. It was the perfect crime. I think we should change. Remember Serial, the podcast? We should turn this podcast to find out who that woman was. <laughs> I, remember, I remember we were like... So, that is the best festival anecdote we fucking had on this podcast. That is, I remember I being so relieved see that coming. Alive, and we were just given all the stuff going, are you sure? Take some time. Take some cigarettes. I'm so happy you're okay. We're like, should we take your number? She's like, no, no, no. She fucked off and she, she rinsed us. But well, you can, it is genius in its, in its own way. No, you can't, you know what, you can't respect that. <laughs> that's what I could have done with a camera on my head. Basically, like, that's the instincts that a hedgehog has. If you get caught, you roll up into a ball and play dead. So what I'm trying to say is you were robbed by a, a Scottish hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I can't. That's just brilliant. That is brilliant. Oh my god! So you say you've been to a lot of festivals. Obviously, Tea in the Park probably probably lower <sighs> lower down on your list after that experience. But would you put like is? I know Tommy loves Bastonbury, loves um, the Spanish one, Prima, Primavera. Yeah. Like I'm Benicassim. I'm Benicassim. Would you? Which one would you say from your experience is the best one that you've been to? Yeah. Um, Glastonbury. Uh, yeah, Glastonbury is definitely the best in terms of. Just because I think every other festival is kind of laid out the same way. You're like, you've got the camper on the outside, then you come in and you've got a main stage, other stage, various things. Whereas Glastonbury, it's all once you're in, you're in, and it's kind of just a whole different world. I think Glastonbury is without doubt like the best, it's, it's the best, most mm-hmm. kind of eclectic. Um, you know what, that, 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 that kind of, that, like you, you say about that, I went to loads of. I was, you know, I've been going to festivals since I was 16. And I think the first time I went to Glastonbury was when I was 23. And um, that was like a shock to me. I had no idea of it because obviously you bring your crates of beer and stuff, but you expect to be paying, spending a lot of money on like, you know, six quid for a pint of uh, Carlsberg, like, you know, watered down Carlsberg. Then you get to Glastonbury, it's like, oh, right, I can like camp next to, like pretty much next right next to the John Peel stage and yeah. I, can just, I can just bring my beers everywhere like, there's, a, there's a whole other section as well apparently my, my uh, missus is a paramedic and she went and worked there as a paramedic last year and there's a whole other 
section just for staff where they've got a stage. They had like Jamie Cullen playing just for the staff backstage next to like got their own food. Really? There's like thousands of people that are just there's like a mini festival within Glastonbury just for just for the staff. It's crazy. So some some of the artists come off doing their main set and then go backstage to this other bit and do Wow. It'll set. never not blow it'll never not blow my mind how big it is as well. When, when was the first time you went? Like how old were you? I don't know. I was yeah, 17 or 18, I can't remember who it was now. There was but yeah, I've been five or six times. White Stripes was a good one I saw there. That's the good thing about Glastonbury as well, is when you're walking, like, I remember being, walking off at two o'clock in the morning, we stumbled into a tent and Lady Gaga was there with like <laughs> 20 people. That's when she was first. And that's just something that could happen in Glastonbury. It wouldn't happen anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. My, my maddest Glastonbury thing was, I can't remember if I've uh, said this on this on or not. So, uh both you can jump in if I have and tell me to shut up. But, oh, no, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> the first, first class in I went to... Episode and... six, you talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I believe it was 37 minutes in, episode six. Um, no, it, I... Uh, so, it, like, I, like I said just now, like I was so underprepared in, in... Well, in every sense and overwhelmed, but... Um, I think it was on the Friday or Saturday night and in the Shangri-La area, which is in the very far corner of Glastonbury. Like, I mean, if you're camping near the main stages, it's pretty much as, as far away as you can get. So it's an absolute trek to get there. And then in the corner of that corner of Glastonbury was like the heaven bit. And you had to, you were kind of judged by angels to get in. Like, so you couldn't just... They didn't let anyone in. Luckily, we were with a group of attractive girls who, like, just, you know, blacked our way in. And then you, you get to the door and you have to take off your wellies or whatever shoes you're wearing. And uh, you just leave them at the door. And then you just go into this map, basically like a sofa sort of pillow world. We get in there. Um, there's own... Are you sure this happened? Because <laughs> I do actually have pictures of it. You know, 2003, sorry, 2013, it was, you know, we had camera phones, but it, it was we, it was still a time when we bought like uh, we got disposable cameras and we bring them to festivals. I do actually have a physical picture of it as well. But we're dancing. There's only about 30, 40 of us in the room. We're a group of about eight. Turn around, and someone goes, "Fucking hell!" You see the DJs, and it's Tom York DJing. Nah. Tom York's DJing, and we're like, <clears throat> like in a trilby hat and a leather jacket he looked like the crack fox that's what he i thought at the time <laughs> yeah crack fox off, off mighty boots i'm gonna make you wear a little dress and hurt you hmm? do you want to see a trick yeah all right look <laughs> so you look like the crack fox so we're like fucking hell this is mad it's like being dj for us like privately then we go out outside for a cigarette and fucking who should show up but Carl Barat off of the uh, <laughs> yeah. teams wearing <laughs> wearing uni- <laughs> wear like a- <laughs> the most cliche stereotypical Carl Barat or Pete Doherty thing to wear because obviously everyone's got their shoes off he's wearing Union Jack socks <laughs> <laughs> and my rich goes so my rich my brother rich goes nice nice socks Carl he goes oh for queen and country <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, you actually like live that fucking life of a liberty. <laughs> and and then he starts, uh, him and my mate start getting off. And he did have a missus who was also there, a girl with blue hair. 
And then the three of them, we just, they just go over. The three of them are all sat like cross-legged in a circle. What, and they're all this, just like... Is this back in the heaven? No, this is just like, yeah, yeah. Back, uh, back there. Three of them all just getting off each other. And our mate kind of looks over like, like just does a weird face. Like, yeah, I, I didn't realise I was getting into like a three-way situation. And then, final bit of the story, we read in the paper that also Prince Harry was there that night. <laughs> Saw a picture of him. Uh, but we look, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't see him. So that is my best class three story. That's, Sorry. Yeah, that beats my I just saw Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just described the next season of the crown. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all made up. No, it was, <laughs> it was Tom York no. as a crack fox. No, le- legit. Yeah, with Carl Barrett and Prince Harry. <laughs> have I ever have, have I ever told that on this, Johnny? Let's you know, come on. We're here for matching, not me. <laughs> so, Matt, I, I, I need to just ask you a quick question. Have you ever been to Latitude Festival? Uh, no, I've not. That was one of the ones I haven't. That's the comedy one, isn't it? Yeah, good. Right, we'll move on then. Um, <laughs> that's that one ticked off the, the, the list. Um, uh, so before we go into your dream festival, yes, you're a big fan of this podcast, which means you can criticise the festivals that have come before. This is your open floor. Please feel free to, to criticise anybody's <laughs> well, festival okay. that you want. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this up. What I will say is there were some rules at the start of this festival. At the start of the podcast, it was like you had to pick three headliners, right? So that was the thing. Warburton came on, very entertaining man, but he basically listed about four. He listed off his iPod. He had about 400 people. So you're going to have Marvin Gaye. You're going to have CV Wonder. You're going to have Nina Simone. You're going to have Minnie Ripperton. You're going to have... Aretha Franklin, right? That is my Friday night. I'm not gonna, oh. you know, you could go on forever, but but that that is uh, that that'll do for now for the Friday for the yeah, yeah that'll do nicely. Yeah, um, yeah. So it takes. There's no. Where's the? You know, you can, you've got. You, what's the point? You can't have like Queen, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Aretha Franklin. Oh, that's before lunch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there no. Has some, there has to be some kind of curation here. Number one. So, Number two, you're saying we should we we should clamp down on that. Well, I'm just saying you got what? Where do you stand with it? When it started, when you first approached me back about a year ago, (laughs) (laughs) you said three headliners, okay? And so then that was the conversation all my with my mates. You can only pick three, okay? So that's that's the that's the tricky thing. Do you pick Queen or do you pick the Beatles? Yeah, that's difficult. Warburton, he would have had all of them before breakfast. That's point one. <laughs> point two, uh, Nihal, who I, a great, incredible broadcaster, love, you know, he knows a lot about a lot of things. And I listen to him, respect him a lot. But if you can have a festival with any artist through any time in history, you, anyone, <laughs> you cannot pick DJ Spoonie. That has to be, I, when I was listening to that, when I was going for a jog, and I was thinking, who's he going to have? You, you know, you could have anyone. You could have <laughs> Nina Simone. You can't, no, I almost put my phone in the river because I was like, this is not, you're not, that's not allowed. <laughs> and there's nothing, that's not, there's nothing against DJ Spoonie. I'm sure he's a very good DJ. But when you're talking about the greatest festival in the history of all music, there has yeah. to be, a, you have to draw a line. And <laughs> none of you pulled him up on it. I think we were too. We we felt too awkward. 
You've done a lot of speaking for us now, Matt, so we never have to bring it up ever again. <laughs> I, <laughs> you can, I mean, uh, listeners can't hear us, but Matching can see our, our faces right now. And uh, <laughs> I am neither agreeing or disagreeing. <laughs> there was numerous. I mean, that he picked a good festival. If you're going to have like, he could His first day was amazing. He could probably arrange that festival himself in his backyard. It's basically his mates, which is fine, but not on your fest. No, if you've got, I, you know what, Matching, I, I, I love that you've. I love how seriously you've took this. You've you've got real respect for the format and real respect for the podcast. And I I feel you're one of the first people to come here with that. So I, I mean, <laughs> do we do awards, Johnny? Some sort of. Well, it's sort of turned into a bit of an episode of points of view. As well. <laughs> are there any more points is, like is there any more you want you want to get off your chest before we move there'll on? be things i think as we go along okay we'll, um, we'll address each point as we go there, there, there's there's an episode this reminds me of, there's an episode of um do you watch hot ones the um that sean guy the, the spicy wing challenge the hot wing challenge on youtube yeah, right. um <clears throat> i mean he gets like the, the biggest guests like he's had like you know gordon ramsay um Right, I don't know, everyone in Hollywood and stuff. DJ Spoonie, he's had them all. DJ Spoonie, yeah, Richard Blackwood. Um, but there's an episode where he gets like, there's he has a mega fan who um, who has like reviewed every episode um, and he's got his own YouTube channel based on that. This feels like that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. Thanks, mate. Right, so should we, should we now now that's got off your chest, should we move on to your dream festival, which we, we know will be a stickler for the rules and we very much respect that. Oh, what I've done, I'm glad I'm glad I've come out. I've, I have narrowed it down to a headliner and pre-headliner. That's fine. Yeah, good. Okay. That's well, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna call you a hypocrite after what you just said, but we're just gonna, <laughs> we're, we're just gonna imply it. <laughs> um, so before we get on to your, your headliners and pre-headliners, um, <laughs> We're going to need a name and a location for your festival. So what have you got for us? Oh, right. Okay. Well, this this is where... See, the thing is, you usually have, like, comedians on, and I'm not a comedian. I'm a, I'm a small businessman, essentially. So this is... This works. The numbers add up. This will be a profitable festival, number one. Number two, Good. even if you don't like festivals or you love festivals, you will love this festival. You will come. I guarantee... Even, even Johnny... Even Johnny, who I've listened to all the all the complaints about other people that don't like festivals, taking that all in consideration, and whatever your stance on festivals, you're coming to this because I've wow. nailed it. It is essentially the greatest festival that could ever happen, and it we'll, we'll come back to that point at the end. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll make my, I'll make my decision. Maxie, you give me you give me sh- sh- tingles down my spine. Here. This is <laughs> in- inspirational. Almost. So. This festival is based, <laughs> right? So, Johnny, you don't, you you don't thought know about this, it so much, haven't you? But, Johnny, I used to work on a cruise ship, right? So, my festival <laughs> is based on a cruise ship. That I uh, already, moved... already, hotbed for infectious disease. I'm not. No, because <laughs> no, everyone tested, right? It's on a cruise ship. I'll tell you for why. Number one, everyone's got their own toilet and bed, yeah? That's good. You're worried. Everyone's worried about the toilets. If you need it, if you if you're feeling a bit tired, go back, have a power nap, have a shit shower, shave, get changed. That's fine. You've got your own space, and then come and join the fun. 
Number Good. two, no drugs policy. We're at international waters. Whatever you can sneak on, you can sneak on, right? I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying if it does happen, I've seen it. I've been to festivals. I know it goes on. So once you're on international waters, there's no laws. Number three, there's no, there's, there's no curfew, all right? It's not going to be like 12 o'clock, we've got to think about the neighbours. No, no. The, the only neighbour is our moon tonight. Oh, we are, poetry, we, poetry. We can, we can play until the sun comes up. That's fine. So, welcome aboard. A few different names for it. It was going to be called Glaston Ferry. <laughs> um, then it was going to be called Rock the Boat. But now, I think, then it was going to be called um, Life Upon the Ocean Raves. But I think we're going with, uh, oh, where was it? Sound Waves. Sound Waves is good. I appreciate the name. That's really good. I mean, what? I really like Glaston Ferry, but I think in terms of like making it a marketable festival, Soundwaves is uh, more legitimate. What does worry me slightly about your festival, and um, it's to do with the location and with point two that you made the, the drugs policy. If Oasis were to split up while you were while we were out at sea, and Tommy had point two had some drugs, <laughs> his phone. <laughs> His he would think his phone had been thrown into the ocean, for, for example, <laughs> and he might try and dive in to try and rescue it. That's my only uh, reservation about this. Other than that, <laughs> and the you know the infectious disease possibility, but I, I trust that we'll be tested before we go in. Uh, I'm accept mainly the, the your own toilet okay. is what's what's secured it for me. That's very appealing <laughs> to me as well, and um, yeah. Uh, so, so for, you, for this, you, yeah, I, I mean, I, you've explained, you've, 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 in your explanation, you've kind of counterpointed anything that I might counterpoint. So, yeah, carry on. Sorry, go on. Also, also there's no fixed location. You know, every this is. I'm going to talk about the first inaugural sound waves, but we can follow the sun. You know, there's we can do it different every year, different every weekend. There's no, there's no fixed location. For this inaugural one, we're starting in Bristol. Yeah. Um, and we're going to sail to um, Portofino in Italy, because that was my favourite spot when I worked on the cruise ship. So what I did, I've gutted the stern of the ship, and that's now just a massive main stage. Oh, okay. yeah. And then the rest is just a place where everyone stand. Do you have a, do you have a particular cruise ship in mind? Um... The Princess cruise ships are the biggest ones, but I mean, they're not all of them are out of use at the moment, so we could probably get on quite cheap. <laughs> probably need a helipad on it because we're bringing in artists off, on and off. That's oh, rot rotating yeah, artists, on, they come off. Um, sorry, go on, Tom. No, I was just gonna say, Johnny, if you have, have you ever been on a cruise or a cruise ship, um, no, I've been on plenty of ferries, um. Not the, same. not the same, much smaller, on and off. Uh, my parents have been on a cruise. They went on a cruise of Norway, and then they, go, they were supposed to go on a cruise to see the Northern Lights. Um, cruise. But uh, no, have you ever been on a cruise, Tommy? No, I'm not. I'm not. Cruising and boot, <laughs> cruising, boozing and bruising, Tommy. I imagine. But but they they, <clears throat> they do appeal to me though because um, I mean boats appeal to me. If I could boat everywhere. Uh, rather than fly, you know, a bit of a Dennis Bergkamp over here. If I could, <laughs> you need to move out of Manchester, I think, mate. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it has been said. Uh, but no, if I if I could if I could ferry everywhere rather than rather than uh, fly, I would. So already you're appealing to me. Okay, sorry. So you so you docked the boat, and so for my first pre-headliner, I needed need to get things started. Oh, what about days of the week? Oh, yeah, I think we'll stick to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right, yeah. So sailing out, sailing out of Bristol Harbour, probably like some confetti balloons popping off. Everyone's loving it. It's, I'm kind of going for like the Hindu vibe on the first night because I want everyone dancing, <laughs> right? And people waving at like... People like are waving at me. They're, they're thanking me for putting the festival on. And I'm like, stop it. It's not me. It's the artists. And I just want everyone up dancing. So... Night one, free, free headliner. I think she gets, she's not, she doesn't get the legendary status that she deserves. But for that first song, I need Whitney Houston. Woo! Dance with somebody. That first, woo! That'd be the kick in. Um, no, I, no. yeah, Whitney. I was gonna have a Ruth Franklin, but a Magic Gang picked her, and I was like, mm, I'm, I'm not sure. So I went with Whitney. Look, listen to how studious he is. It really is a pleasure <laughs> having you. She's, she's got some classics. Um, Just a few. Yeah, I know. Also, when I was younger, my when I was like 11, my first kind of love. My school at my youth club disco was to my first ever like proper romance dance was to I Will Always Love You. This girl called Gemma and so, but then two hours later, I remember Gemma was, I caught her snogging Lee Brambles in the Sable Parking Bay. I remember thinking, it was a real like, moment for me. I'm thinking, what was all that? I will always love you, stop, stop. <laughs> a minute ago it really had an impact on me. so even when i hear that song now i still think about how that made me feel so i think what i could do is on the ship as we're sailing out everyone could could make a circle and then i could dance with Gemma again slow dance right but then kevin costa could come in in his suit and pick me up in his arms and rescue me from that toxic situation <laughs> Drag me out, and then Whitney would then kick into Queen of the Night from the Bodyguard soundtrack, one of the sassiest tunes there ever was. 
So that's when you <laughs> kick in there. Queen of the Night, bang. That's brilliant. So yeah, she has, she's got a lot of songs. A lot of power ballads as well. I like a power ballad. Was it? Your fist clenching when you're on the boat. Yeah. Singing along. Was it um was it Whitney Houston that, that Wayne Rooney did that tweet about? Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised I brought that up before you, Johnny. What is it? I will run to you. <laughs> I really can't believe this at. Uh, <laughs> I um, <laughs> I went to, me and my girlfriend went on holiday a few a month or so ago to North Wales and on the beach I got a stick and I decided I was going to write some Wayne Rooney tweets in the sand and um, I decided I couldn't be bothered to spend the time to write that one because it's just so rambling so I just went with hi Rio do you want pick up in the morning pal which is a classic <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you, you also you also did uh, what did you, you you did your thing didn't you I did my thing it doesn't need bringing up on this podcast but uh, Dennis Burkamp's already had one mention too many <laughs> Already. Fair point. Fair point. Fair uh, point. Also, Dennis Burkamp would love this festival. <laughs> you don't have to fly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Me and Dennis Burkamp don't have to fly. <laughs> John, I mean, if he sees, if he sees Johnny Sharples there, he, he might like. I don't know. Maybe he'll just. Maybe he'll come like I don't know in disguise, some sort of splinter cell situation where he might. <laughs> Finally, assassinate Johnny. Do you worry about that, Johnny? Sorry, I know you so, don't like to talk about this. So, do, do I do I stay awake at night and worry that former Arsenal forward Dennis Bergkamp is going to dis- disguise himself and assassinate me on a <laughs> cruise ship? <laughs> yeah, that is what I'm asking. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> oh, right, Maxin. So you've got so you've got. Okay. Go on, sorry, Johnny. You got Whitney as your pre pre headliner. Pre headliner. She's doing like a forty five minute set. She's bringing all the bangers in. Okay. Make, then this is the other thing I was thinking about. Why this quick discussion on festivals? Why don't or any big gig? Why don't they have a curtain anymore? You know that usually when you're waiting for a band, the anticipation builds, and then the band kind of awkwardly shuffle on, and then they have to like tune up. Why not? Yeah. Why, I should ask Felix this. Why didn't they have a big curtain? Because I've seen it in school plays. It builds the anticipation. Curtain closes. <laughs> you can't see what's going on. The band are in place now. The is ready. They can start playing. Curtain opens. Oh, God. Uh, don't you uh, think that's... Why didn't they do that? Asking the I'm 100% with... No, I'm 100% with you because... From someone who's played festivals on a very, very small scale, like sounds from the other city and stuff, it is, uh, you know, only to like two hundred people rather than twenty thousand. But it is a, it's kind of a horrible moment. Like you, 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 you want to feel like a rock star, and then as you say, you're kind of awkwardly shuffling on, like tuning your guitar and stuff. Yeah. So but yeah. So you... I, I. So are you saying every this every... this festival? I'm assuming has a has a curtain. Has a massive curtain. They can either fall or part of this, so you can't see. And also, it adds anticipation. You don't know who's going to who who I've booked. Okay, great. Right. Right. So curtains down. Who's who's come on? Everyone's already done a lot of dad dancing to to Whitney. They're loving it. This was first man, first person on the team sheet for me. 
I know it's already happened a lot already, but in my mind, he's they are as good a guitarist as Hendrick, as good a songwriter as McCartney, and as good a showman as James Brown. Curtain closed, organ comes in. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today through this life. Prince opens up. Yes. <laughs> Johnny's shaking his head. <laughs> I never have to hear the word Prince ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I'd die a happy man. Prince is, for me, that, yeah. I went to, um, my mate got me tickets for the uh, O2 gigs. Oh, wow. So my, my, he's my old manager from, from the ship. He was a massive Prince fan, managed to get me a ticket. So that was he was doing like a night of like 30, 30 nights there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got to, it was a bit of an asshole to get there. And I, you know, I was thinking, oh well, he's bound to be playing again sometime. But I went along anyway. We had we were at the we couldn't get further back in the O2. We were like our backs were against the wall. I remember thinking, like, this is he's gonna be phoning this in. He's already done like 14 nights. And I'm at the back seat. I'm not expecting much, but I just kind of went to say that I've seen Prince, basically. What he did that night was one of the greatest showmanship yeah. that I've, I've ever seen. It was just, in, like, just gobsmackingly good. Everything he did was just just incredible. And the thing with Prince is, when you go to like a lot of big shows now, I think, when you see... The show is what the show is. Like every, every the set list is exactly the same because everyone's kind mm. of got to go by the like, lighting cues. And so, if you see like Arctic Monkeys in Birmingham, pretty much the same show you'll see in Auckland or Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but with Prince, he would start one song. He might start with Kiss, and then he might just go into a completely in a complete different direction, and end on anything. You just have to kind of keep up with it. So then, at the end of the night, I was with my mate Carter, who's a massive Prince fan. At the end of the night, he's like. Um, that's it. Good night. Good night. Good night. And Carter was like, "He's going to do an encore. He always does an encore. Just stick with me. Stick with me." So, like, I'd say like twenty percent of the people left. We shuffled down a few seats. He came on, did an encore, <laughs> went off. Carter was like, "Stick around. He's bound to do another encore. Prince at least always does two encores." So we stuck around another ten minutes. He comes on. He does an encore. Like fifty percent of the people left. Then we moved down to like the next section. Carl was like, stick around. You never leave a Prince gig, yeah? You never leave <laughs> Ever. I was like, mate, we've already missed the last tube back. He's like, you are not fucking leaving. We'll never get a chance to do this again. Stuck around another 50 minutes. Prince comes on again, right? By then, there's like Fuck. probably like 30% of the audience left. He leaves. I'm like, we're leaving now. That's it. Surely. Carl was like, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. The lights come up, right? The sound men are coming on, like tying up all the cables. They push this box on to bring on, take some equipment out. Prince comes, jumps up from behind the box and just says, I got too many songs, London. I got too many songs. That's on like 9.15. He'd already done 40 nights. He was playing like after shows and stuff. He 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 literally had too many songs. How how, how did he? You know what? Like, I've, I've 
you know, listeners to this podcast will know, and you'll both like. I, I, I don't. I think he's. I agree much. I think he's like the greatest artist of all time. Um, and I've not even heard all his songs. Like I, I've, I've probably listened to about eight Prince albums. Like, and this, this, because I have favorites, and they're also good. Yeah, put them on rotation. But, but there's, there's about fucking twelve more that I've not heard. But also, for listening to that to Spaceland, as we mentioned earlier, he was never like a big drug guy like he tried the drugs when they came about like he, he wanted to try ecstasy because he was you know curious about it or whatever but it was um it was exactly that like the performing and performing to that extent that killed him like yeah. the, the, the only reason he died the only reason he started he became addicted to painkillers was because his hips his legs and obviously he's quite a small man like he and was ribs. in pain yeah yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> he, but he was in pain constantly so yeah. he became like addicted to painkillers at the end and then that's also, what not killing him so, so it's literally his performing that killed him really also massive table tennis fan I'm a big table tennis player I've got a table tennis in my office and apparently I've got a friend that lived with this guy Kilmarnock who was a like a national table tennis player and he said that one when t- Prince was touring this is years ago he got a call and they said can you come to this venue to play Prince <laughs> at table tennis and he was because Prince was so good at table tennis, he could, none of his team could compare, can compete with him. So this guy from Scotland turns up, Prince is there, Prince walks into the room, doesn't say anything, picks up the table tennis bat, they play, Prince beats him, and then he just walks what? off. Oh. Is- <laughs> Fuck off. That is true table tennis Prince fact. So yeah, Prince plays, and also this is when my curfew comes in. Well, two reasons. He likes to cover Prince, so like he does like an amazing cover of um, Creep. Ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lollapooza, uh, and I think he does. I think he does a case of you. That's another good one of his. But then obviously you can end it. We're at sea now. There's no curfew. If he wants to do like a three-hour jam of Purple Rain, go by all means. That's it. No worries. How we're ending our Friday night. When you were at the amazing. Back, when you were at the back of the O2, how small did Prince look on stage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was tiny, but you had those big screens, and he like it was incredible because obviously you know he's got all his hits, but he would play every song as if like he played the song as if it was like the first time he was discovering that he was writing the song. He'd be like, "Oh my god, this is incredible! <laughs> what? What even is this?" <laughs> I, oh, I, just, I love, I'm so I love. jealous that you got to see him. I'm so jealous. That's amazing. Um, right, should we should we move on to the Saturday? Move on to Saturday. Right, okay. I know we're going to say this isn't allowed, but I've opened up uh, another stage at the bow of the ship, right? Just, just for during the day, right? So it's kind of a chilled out stage. If you can't be bothered, you've got to sit in your cabin. It's going to be beamed in through the TV anyway on your, in your cabin. But if you do... This is my um, MTV Unplugged stage, right? Nice. For basically throughout the day, I'm going to be shipping in, helicoptering in my best ever MTV Unplugged performances. 
Brilliant. Not, again, not gonna not gonna call you a hypocrite off what you said at the start of the podcast. Just just gonna leave no, but this just gonna leave that hanging in the air. <laughs> this is different because I've put it in a different format. Look, what I've done is I've cleverly packaged it in a different. You, um, these aren't bands playing on the on the on the main stage. We've got, these are. This is a. Separate, hey, if you can sleep at night, matching. If you can sleep at night, <laughs> then that... a very separate affair. So there, we've got all my favorite favorite unplugged performances. Jay Z be my number one unplugged blueprint. Nirvana, there, there. George Michael with the, like the most preened, lush goatee beard of all time. Pearl Jam with his long hair and cheekbones and his sexy brown cordial jacket. He's there. Lauren yeah. Hill, Mariah Carey, Clapton. They're all playing. So all those. Just to keep people busy, because obviously it's a long day on. On we're, we're traveling to Italy. You've got to keep the crowd entertained during the day. This would be a bit more chilled out. How long is that? Um, I should have asked this. How long is that journey? Like it's, from, from well, uh, Bristol. It's a bit to... tricky, but it's, it's probably going to take us a couple of days to get there and a day to get back. We're going to just step on it on the way back. Okay, That's the other cool. thing. You know, we're going to drop you off in Bristol. Start in Bristol. Drop you off in Bristol. It's perfect. Would it's, you have? Go on, sorry, Johnny. Go on. Listen, Matt, don't think you can come on this podcast. You can just say Pearl Jam and I'll be on board with whatever you've got to say. <laughs> no, I... You stole that in there for Johnny, you little kid. No, 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 no. That's, that's not true. I, I grew up with two older brothers and my eldest brother, Dan, was a massive Pearl Jam fan to the point where he grew his hair and developed a heroin addiction. No, he didn't. He grew his hair. When became very skinny, he, walked, he was obsessed with um, 10 and what was the other? Um, Vitology. My other brother, uh, Mike, was a massive Nirvana fan. So I basically, and he just moped around the house all day with slightly less longer hair. Uh, were me and Johnny your older brothers? <laughs> <laughs> so I do, have, I do, I do like. They're playing Hyde Park as well, aren't they? Me and my oldest brother are looking to get tickets for. They're doing Hyde Park in next summer. They are with Pixies on one day and Guys, idols, idols on the other day. So I, I do, I do. I'm not kind of that that live lounge though of. Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam is... Live Lounge. Live Lounge, sorry. Live. M- MTV Unplugged. Unplugged. Cut that out, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, the, uh, any favourite Unplugged performances? I think the Pearl Jam ones, really, they put it on full in on YouTube um, a few weeks ago. And um, I love the fact that when they come on stage, Eddie Vedder's got all his hair inside a hat. And then just halfway through, he takes the hat off and Unleashes it just springs it. out. Then at one point, he writes pro-choice on his arm in just a marker pen, which is great because he's <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful man. Drop. 
But yeah, they'd only released, I think... It's, Ten might have only just come out when they released that. So, like, none of the crowd really would have known any of the songs. Yeah. And so, yeah, but Nirvana, Nirvana, like, as much as I love uh, Pearl Jam and much prefer them over Nirvana, Nirvana's Unplugged is the, the pinnacle for me. I know you said Jay-Z's yeah. blueprint is the pinnacle for you, but Nirvana Unplugged, the fact that they work through Vaseline songs, David Bowie songs, Meat Puppet songs, Meat Puppets yeah. are one that of my favourite bands. Last night is like one of the best vocal performances of any live lounge yeah, <laughs> there's just a point at the end of that, and I can't remember how I said this on the podcast before when when Nirvana and Kurt Cobain have come up. But there's a point when he's doing "Where Did You Sleep Last Night," and it's the last part, and he stops and he stares directly down the camera yeah. while he waits for his next bit to come in, and then he finishes the song. It's just incredible, and the fact that it was all made up to look like a funeral as well, and it was their last like recorded live performance is—I don't know if it was a long, a, a thing that he was, you know, intending it to be like their last ever live performance. He'd done it like a funeral, or it, that's just so what it happened to be. But it is just incredible, and he's there in his natty, horrible—I think it's at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now—that horrible cardigan he's wearing. Yeah, yeah, I, I um, yeah, for me, it's about. It's it's not just the best MTV Unplugged. I think it's possibly like the greatest uh, just live recording of any music ever. Like it's uh, and I, I like the little jokes he does in between. Like he, even though he's like not far from like his very tragic fate, he um, you know he's still got that kind of sense of humor. And also, there's a great story about uh, Liam Gallagher and Bonehead um, before Oasis got big, and they said. I mean, it's kind of ironic because Oasis kind of, you know, Noel Gallagher said he wrote Live Forever, even though he loved Nirvana, but it was as a, he, he said, he saw Kurt Cobain written a song called I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. So he's like, I'm going to write the exact opposite of that. Um, but Liam and Bonehead used to sit and cry to, um, which, oh, the Jesus Don't Want Me for a Zombie. Just, they said every time they were drunk, they just put that on, and they they just like they'd always end up crying just listening to it. That's actually my favorite. Like I, I love that. I love that. I, uh, I think that's what's so good about that unplugged is that with Nirvana, he, like Kurt loved the Beatles, and you could tell he had such a lot of melody in his songs. And so when they're like broken down, like like Penny Royalty and some of those tunes, it's just when they're stripped back, like they sound and his voice is just it's next level. Alice in Chains Unplugged, which is a very similar vibe to obviously Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam, is, re- is really good. And that's also similar, it sort of mirrors Nirvana in a way of the fact that you can see Lane Staley struggling with his heroin addiction, quite obviously. And they purposely pick their set for that thing 
to try and disguise the fact that Lane Staley couldn't really sing anymore. So they chose a lot of the songs where um, Jerry Cantrell is doing a lot of the singing so they could disguise the fact that Lane Staley couldn't really sing anymore. But other than that, it's just an incredible, just incredible unplugged. They don't do enough unplugged performances anymore, I don't think. No, you know, um, uh, uh, the Oasis one is funny as well. And sorry to bring it back to Oasis, but Liam... Liam like pulled out on the day, yeah, and, the night uh, before, and then he's heckling, he's heckling yeah. in the crowd. <laughs> that's so. I, that's always annoyed me because that would that was like always at the peak of their powers, and they would have been, so been a legendary one, yeah. And then Noel just, just the had to do it on the day, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So you've got your MTV unplugged. So what's the what's the main stage? So Saturday night, the curtain comes down again for the pre-headliner, and we kind of getting we're, we're probably going round past Monaco at the point, sun's coming down, sea air, probably a few waft of some funky cigarettes in the air. <laughs> I was like, who's he booked? You know, it's, the anticipation is off the chain. Is it the Wombats? Is it stuff? <laughs> is, it, is it DJ Spoonie? <laughs> is it DJ Spoonie? <laughs> okay, no one knows. You hear the faint chords of Moonlit Sonata comes creeping in, curtains open, it's only fucking Beethoven. Beethoven's oh. there, 60 piece Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and he's going to be banging out the hits. <laughs> yes. So it starts off with Minute Sonata, then, then goes into um, the Bagatelli, Symphony Number no. 9, and then this is, this is the crossover now. So everyone's like, wow, I didn't expect a bit of classical music. That's good. Beethoven is fucking loving it. He's, he's getting right into it. Then he's like, do you want one more? Do you want one more? <laughs> he's kind of amping up the crowd now. You know, Beethoven was from Edinburgh, but we'll carry on. <laughs> 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 You're always, always, always learning on this podcast. Always <laughs> learning. He sound, oh, that's more my David Guetta. So he sounds like, he's like we want one more. <laughs> this is his encore. Symphony number five comes in. Um, seem like that. Ba 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 bam, ba 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 bam, ba 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 bam. Then that builds. You're gonna have to do some work with the editing here, Tommy. That builds yeah. up. 
in that moment, a podium comes out of the bottom of the dance floor. Keith and Maxim come either side of the stage and Prodigy Firestar kicks in them out there. Just kick that in there. Apology and Maxim are then holding up Ludwig's hands in the air like a triumphant boxer. Oh. And then Prodigy kick him. Really? So it's a kind of 1800s to 2000s. It's like a, just spanning the genres. And then it's time to rave. That's a great show. A, pro- a Prodigy, someone that you saw when they were around. Yeah, I would before. see with Prodigy, I'm like, I've got. Um, I've got a uh, generation and uh, what's the other one? The part of the land. Part of the land, but but I'm not like a massive prodigy fan. But every time they are like the the perfect festival band. I think they're like the number one. Definitely. Whenever Definitely. I've been to fe- whenever I've seen prodigy at the festival, they've been the best band at the festival. They're they're kind of like they're they're rave, but they're punk. They're yeah. Like you, ne- I've never experienced anything like it. Where, uh, yeah, just fright scary. I remember one of the first festivals I went to with my mate Ace, and just all the kind of mosh pits that were evolving everywhere around you. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling like so out of my depth, and there's that <laughs> <laughs> it's so intense, but like it's kind of primal, and there's that bit in Breathe. They break it down. It's just like that kind of medicine, that beat. I remember my mate Ace, like holding him, thinking, looking around, going, it's so sweaty and intense. And I was thinking, we might not get out of here alive now. This is... <laughs> and you're waiting for the beat. It's like, now, 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 now. No. And you hear that, those slashes, like, boom, boom. And it's just building up and up and up. And I was thinking, geez, this is... And then Keith and Maxim, they've got um, black eye paint on. Yeah, with their eyes, and they're like stalking the stage as if they're like offering out like fifty thousand people. Like we're gonna fucking have you now. And like, they, <laughs> yes. they probably could. And then the beat jobs, and yeah, Prodigy for me are the, the best best festival like, band. Yeah, ever. yeah. Every every, I'm saying to you, I'm not like a huge fan, but I, I must have seen two or three times at different festivals, and like you said, that that you you put it best, like quite simply, they're they're, they're better than. At a festival, they will probably be the best thing you'll see. No matter yeah. if you see your favourite band there, they will probably be better than them. 
I do think yeah. Keith Flint as well is quite underrated as a. I think when you see when you see people discuss who's the greatest front man of all time, and it's all, always Freddie Mercury who you can understand, but then Keith Flint never really mm-hmm. gets mentioned. And when you think of Prodigy, you think of Keith Flint. You think of his hair. You think of his piercings. You think of his just mannerisms on stage. He's an incredible performer. He's an incredible entertainer. And I think a massive like we talked about with you know Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley and other these you know, Prince as well, Whitney Houston. He's a massive miss from the music industry as well, I think. And he's yeah. a huge tragic loss from a couple of years ago. Well, there's no one like him. That never has been, never will be. No, just just incredible. And I think the, the video for Firestar is one of the most terrifying videos when I was like eight years yeah. old, however old it was, and just seeing this man with his piercings in his head, shaking his head in the most violent way possible. I think, yeah, that, that was... I, um. I, I feel like I've said this before, like, but it's it's one of those um, one of those things I just remember, like, like you say, Johnny. I just remember being like, I, I just sent to my mom, like, what, what, what's that? Like, <laughs> what is he? Like, it's you don't know if he's like a human being or like what he is, but you're like also absolutely enamored by it and fascinated. It's like so fucking cool but terrifying. Yeah, big shout and, out. And, to- go on, sorry. Big shout out to someone that cool being called Keith as well. Which is... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get he, straight now, hasn't he? He's probably the... <laughs> I he's, you could... Keith. he's like, I'm never going to be able to make this work. I'm like, no. <laughs> you're going to change your name, like... your stage name. No, no, I'm keeping it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be called. I'm going to be called Goldie. What are you going to be called? I'll just stick with Keith, to be honest, mate. Just stick with Keith. Never done me any harm. No, that is that is keeping it real. That is keeping it real. In fact, sorry, that is. Oh, I'm so that. sorry. Cut yeah, I'm. I was about to say in my head, I was like, oh, another actual joke coming, uh, and then as soon as it started spluttering out of my mouth, I thought, shut the fuck up, you stupid cunt. <laughs> Still stuck on two jokes for the podcast, I'm afraid. <laughs> Hey, what about my Jerry Seinfeld intro? Come on. <laughs> I say, yeah, we'll, we'll knock one joke off. We're stuck on one joke now. <laughs> uh, no, that is amazing. And also the the um, the amalgamation of the, t- the, the Beethoven going into... The, 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 a detail I really liked is them uh, <laughs> holding up his hands. <laughs> Ludwig would be loving that. He's quite t- tired from all that piano. He has to have some help to hold his, hold his hands up. But you know we're we're big fans of mashups on this podcast. We've mentioned it many times before. I can see Beethoven and Prodigy really rivaling Jay Z and Lincoln Park for that, yeah. uh, that hey. number one spot. There you go. There it is. Boom boom. Got to get it mentioned. So um, it, yeah, big ravey night on Sunday on Saturday. That can go. Then we're in Italy. Go and have a little wander around uh, Portofino. Are we on the Sunday now? So then into the Sunday. Obviously, the live lounge will still be going on. That's, that's the mainstay, just yeah. because it's the live lounge. I'm not just squeezing all these different bands in. Um, the MTV Unplugged BBC Radio One live lounge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nirvana's uh, live lounge. <laughs> I love when Nirvana. I think, didn't he do like, didn't they do, didn't they do Ariana Grande? I mean. think. <laughs> I got the mix up with Pearl John. That was Eddie Vedder did that. Uh, he, did, he, did, he did thank you next and oh, off the chain. Off the no, chain. Nirvana, yeah, Nirvana did uh, Lizzo, I think. 
sorry, Max. It's all right. We're, we're having a wander around Portofino. So then back on, head back to the UK for a best of best of British vibe. Three headliners. It was a toss up between Jamie T and the Libertines. But in the end, I went for one of my favourites, the Maccabees. Years and years ago, there were these people called the Maccabees. First love, last love, only love, it's only love. First love, last love, only love, it's only love. Of course I did. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm I so glad it. you mentioned them. Go on, yeah. yeah, obviously they're my mates now. Well, some of so I but I loved them massively before. And now it's a bit weird that we're mates. But I call them the Muckabees because we are that <laughs> close. Uh, they are genuinely all right, Muckabees. <laughs> they are for me, they are like the perfect perfect indie band. Like they they yeah. Every out they did four albums. Each album was like a progression from the next. Not like a lot of bands kind of found the formula and stuck with it. Then at the peak of their powers, they did those Ali Pali gigs, which were like one of by one of the best gigs I've ever been to. And they they left to kind of smile and nod and like leave at the top of your game. There's so much like dignity and class yeah. like that. And to finish it to finish with them. Like their first number one album, I love yeah. that they did that. And uh, you know what? They 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 really they played it so well in that sense. Like that, I, I hate this term landfill indie because there is like there's a lot of good music from that time, but they kind of they kind of waited it out, and then they, as you say, they progressed with every album. They kind of got past that landfill indie stage and just became a genuinely like oh, you know respected yeah. band. But I, I, I've got. I'm glad you mentioned them because I, I, I like this is such a like beautiful treasured moment uh, with you actually matching. I think it's probably in the first like ten minutes of meeting you, and uh, it was a Hackney Empire, and um, when there's the, the, the Tailenders gig there, and um, we were just like we didn't introduce to each other and, and whatnot. And we were just sat there. Well, we just stood there, like in an empty Hackney Empire, watching them doing a sound check. And it's uh, who's there? It's Felix, uh, um, Sam, the drummer, yeah. and um, who else is playing with them from the Maccabees? Uh, they had Sam, Hugo. Oh, Felix. Hugo was there. Yeah, yeah. So it's what three three fifths of the Maccabees, and um, and uh, I, I was stood next to you, and you you. You just like, it's like, and you've been, how long you've been doing telling us for? Like, what, two years or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And we, we just kind of like turned each other. I was like, I was like, it's fucking Maccabees, man. And you were just like, I, I still can't believe it. It's like, I'm still fucking <laughs> starstruck. Like, every time, it's like, I yeah, can't I believe I they're my mates. And me, me and you both kind of like stood there, like, in awe. Cause, like, you know, for both yeah. of us, like, working yeah, with I them, and it's like, what, one of our favorite bands. Yeah, I think that's a good thing about them anyway. They didn't realise like, how important they are to people. And they are, to me, they're like, they've soundtrack a lot of 
like the last 10 years of my life they, and yeah they do they do this perfect they can like they're they're epic but they're also intimate and they kind of marry that they kind of traverse that better than anyone and i have to do that with, with felix if we're going out i have to kind of give myself a pep talk before going don't fanboy felix like don't talk about like some random don't get pissed and talk about some like random b-side from 1996 and I have to like tell myself <laughs> on the way there again don't do that don't do that don't do that and then I'm like four points kicking and I'm like no remember <laughs> play cool Trig play cool <laughs> I think we're on a winner here Trig alright play it nice and cool son nice and cool you know what I mean <laughs> Thing is, I, I I do the same, but I never do it. Like especially when they're but when Felix and Hugo there, just like, do you remember that time I met you outside the Leadville and we spoke spoke about the Beatles and like Felix like, yes, Tommy, yes, we. I do remember, I do remember. Like you don't do, you don't remember. It's like I do remember. Don't worry. I just, yeah, I just wanted to ask, you know, someone that you you look up to and you respect and you're you're a big fan of. And um, then you get to you get to work with them, and you get to then call them your friend. Tommy, what's it like working with me? <laughs> you fucking bastards! As soon as you as soon as you started saying that, I was like, I know exactly where he's going. I know exactly where he's going. Uh, you, you know what, Johnny? I'll I'll say this uh, candidly and uh, honestly, and respectfully. It's. Uh, it's a pleasure, mate. It's it's a bloody oh, pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I, I I very much love doing this podcast. And I'm very enthused by our guest, Matchin, because he's you know he's a he's a genuine Yorkfest fan. So it's it's it, you know we're doing this right. And you know, likewise, Johnny, just just say something, say something nice about me if you want to. You don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, um. I like oh. your I like your hat. Oh, thank <laughs> you, mate. That is the nicest thing you've ever said about me. We did it when thank we did you. an interview with Tellenders from with GQ, is it GQ magazine, and it was a, a oh Zoom, yeah, fucking hell, Zoom call like this, and they the, the journalist did this thing where he goes right now we're going to do this technique where um, I'm going to ask you all to, to say what you like about each other, but you go around in a circle, so you know, Greg, you say what you, th- or Greg, you say what you think Felix brings to the podcast. Felix, you say what Jimmy brings to the podcast. So it's <laughs> back to the bit of a circle wank. And you, so we, we, you all have to go around the circle and say what you like about each other. It's a bit like therapy. Very weird. And what did, uh, what did people say about you? I had, um, I had to do Jimmy, which is because I know the least about cricket. <laughs> but, um, who, who said who who had to talk about you i think it was greg what did he say some nice things <laughs> uh tommy you'll have to pick up a, a copy of gq to find out <laughs> oh yes yeah much as if you know you, you play 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 yourself down as much as you want but i don't think many or any of our guests have been in gq unless like maybe like Nahal and DJ Scooby yeah, in like I 2004. Think, yeah, I think it's it's not like I was just me matching on the front cover of GQ. I'm very much... <laughs> just in a, a pair of tight UITs. I'm very much there because I know that I am essentially... I am to Jimmy Anderson what Jonathan Wilkes is to Robbie Williams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on, mate. You haven't done anything as good as a uh, soccer aid. Yet, so... Uh... <laughs> So obviously we've we've reached a, a high point for for you and for Tommy with the Maccabees. Who could possibly follow them on the then, main stage? 
um, final headliner. So we're coming back into Bristol. Um, this has changed. This has changed up until this morning. It was going to be the Beatles. Then it was going to be Oasis. Um, then it was going to be Led Zeppelin. I find, I've gone with, because uh, I want to keep the mood up, span the genres. I've gone with Bowie for my last, last night. But she's lived it ten times or more. She could spit in the eyes of fools. If they ask her to focus on Is that our first poet? It is off. Uh, uh, There's been mentions, but not not as an out and out headliner. No, he's never been as out and out headliner. Which is surprising, like you say, Tommy. It's surprising. We always thought Oasis and the Beatles and people like that would always get mentioned. I think David Bowie falls into that category as well. Yeah, for me, would expect. Bowie, just I I adore him, and like Hunky Dory for me is like one of my best albums. I would say it's amazing. Amazing, um, Moon Age Daydream. There's this amazing recording they've put out recently. It's the last time he plays with um, the Spiders from Mars, and he he goes, "I'm an alligator." And the live recording of it is just incredible. You play that one there. (laughs) Do my editing for me. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa calling for you. I'm the space invader. I'll be a rock and roller bitch for you. Keep your mouth shut. You're squawking like a big monkey bear. And I'm busting up my brain for the world. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama. Ah, brilliant. So then, yeah, all the young dudes. Thing is, Bowie. There's so many clips that keep coming up of him when he was like, just what a visionary he was before his time. Have you seen the clip where he's talking about the internet with Paxman? Yes. Like, yes. In I think it's like 2000 before the and Paxman's are going. It's just a different way of sending a letter, isn't it? What's the big deal? And yeah. Bowie is just. He breaks it down better than anyone explains the internet before it was even a thing, better than anyone could do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, basically, he basically says, like, it will it will be everything. Yeah. It will, like, yeah, te- it will run everything. Incredible, yeah. And yeah, there's amazing, yeah. There's another it, will, it will kill us as well. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another, um, it's like, it's, I think it's like early 80s where he's on MTV and he's calling out MTV for not playing enough black artists. And like, yes. the, the the balls of that and just how like just yeah. incredible it was for him to the foresight of it yeah yeah but apart from that i i just bloody love bowie so rock and roll suicide be like the low point but then labyrinth i love yes ziggy Sider. <laughs> i was wait, i was waiting for labyrinth to come up just so i can do yeah, i thought you're like the, the baby and chuck the baby around the crowd for <laughs> i've not i've not seen labyrinth you know 
Oh, you remind me of the babe. What babe? Babe with power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do you do? What do <laughs> remind me of the babe? Oh, nice. Nice. No, no. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Should I watch it? Is yeah. it it's pretty creepy? Like? Is it's, it, it's so weird, isn't it? Oh, it's, 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 it's Jim Henson. Yeah, it's Jim, Jim Henson. Henson. Yeah. It's Jim yeah, Henson. Yeah. So it's Jim Henson. Oh, I'll definitely like it then. One of his masterpieces. And it's now obviously it's a massive cult thing, but it's one of the things that absolutely almost ruined Jim Henson as a person because he had this big idea of what Labyrinth would be and how incredibly well received it would be. And it just didn't reach those levels with the public. It's got big cult status now, similar with Dark Crystal, which was another one of his big ideas that would be amazing. Um, and yeah, Jim Henson basically lost all, almost all confidence in his work after those two didn't. This is a man that brought us Kermit the Frog. He should be respected in every possible way, but it didn't go. Our on. biggest, our biggest white whale for the podcast as well. Stop saying well, white whale. <laughs> is Jim Henson your biggest white whale? No, no. Kermit, Kermit the Frog. You didn't even like. You, you, I did a tweet about that. Like I thought it was quite funny, and you didn't even. I don't mean you even liked or like, let alone retweeted it. It takes a lot to get oh. me to retweet something, Tommy. Come on, that's well, no, not, not 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 even from the Sharples account. I mean, from the Yorefest account. I, I, so, <laughs> someone sent me Kermit the Frog basically cycling around, which is the cutest thing ever. Like, it, I'll, I'll send you a mansion. It's, it's hilarious and adorable. It's like behind the scenes of the Muppets, and it's just as if he is actually like, you know, his own, an actual living frog who's just cycling around. And I, I retweet, I quote tweet, someone sent it me and I was like, oh, Johnny will like this. Quote tweet, it says, CC, your fest, uh, your fest white whale, uh, in brackets, actually green frog. <laughs> that's probably what did, that's probably why I didn't touch it. <laughs> like, oh, no. oh, you bastard. Anyway, imagine, imagined it in your little David Brent voice as well. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, fuck you. Redo it and I'll retweet it. You are? Redo it without the parentheses and I'll, I'll retweet it. Okay, thanks, mate. So, <laughs> right. Sorry. That's a, we're just sorting out some admin. We'll get back to David Bowie, shall we? Some, Couple therapy. There's some Jim Henson admin that we need to retire. <laughs> Oh, we go. We've all had to do it before. <laughs> um, what, what, era, what, what? Oh, I was going, Tom. I, I, I think you, you go. I think I was going to ask the same question. What, what era, David Bowie, is your favourite David Bowie era? There's obviously so um, many to pick from. I would get my. I used to um, babysit for a family, like family friends of mine when I was like eleven or twelve. These two kids, and the mum was a was Sam. In just in case you're listening, who I love very much, but they'd come back at like two o'clock in the morning. And I remember now I realise in hindsight they were all fucked off their face on various <laughs> cocktails of drugs. But at the time, I, these after parties would take place in the living room and the first album they would always put on is Hunky Dory and they would dance around the room and I'd just be sat there in my pyjamas like open mouth as they knew every single word to Hunky Dory and they would like swing me around the room and they, it was before like pre-phones so they weren't doing it for... It was yeah, like, yeah. Um, What's the uh, lip sync challenge you get? Like the lip sync program? It was yeah, like, yeah. It basically do this whole live performance of Hunky Dory start to finish. Amazing. Sing, singing and feeling everywhere. I was like, God, these guys love Bowie. <laughs> 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 I've never seen people so happy with music. <laughs> um, but so I've always associated that my time in my life. I was like, oh, and I used to. Then when I went home, I I got hunky dory, and I still like now listen to the lyrics. I'm like, what the fuck is he on about? But there's a certain feeling it evokes. So yeah, everything on hunky dory. Yeah, I'm getting to play that in full. 
Well, my, my mom, my mom's a, a massive Bowie fan, and she, I remember her telling me, like, I, I didn't quite get him when I was really young, when I was like nine or ten, and she put him on in the car. It wasn't until I was about 15 that I really got into Bowie, but um, is it with Life on Mars? I remember her telling me that he'd like, you know, he'd do that thing where he'd just collate words and uh, basically, like, literally just get random words and just put them together to kind of form some sort of thread so I, I don't know how much like artistic endeavor there is behind life on mars i'm sure it's, it's there's more to it than a sort of like mishmash jumble <laughs> collage is that what you're saying? It's, just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's nonsense i'm saying bowie is <laughs> shit. he just got he just got some of those poetry magnets and threw them at a yeah. fridge and thought ever words, whatever words story was written by poetry magnets yeah yeah but it is that no that that it's it, my, my favorite Bowie era is the the Berlin trilogy. So like, what is it like? Low Station to Station um, and Heroes. Is it is, is Heroes yeah. in the Berlin? Yeah. And but in terms of the album with the most the most bangers, my mom's favorite is Hunky Dory. Actually, I think. And uh, yeah, also, pretty also, much every tune is a banger. Go on, sorry. If I had Bowie there, I could bring out Freddie just for under pressure. Yes. Yeah. You could wander on. I think I'd have, I'd have the heroes as we sailed in the last song of them. There you go. Hero, heroes closing out the whole festival. But you could have Nirvana come and do the man who sold the world with, with David Bowie as well. Oh! And you could, also, you, could, <laughs> you could also have him just uh, do the introduction to the snowman, which he uh, does as well. So, have it at what? Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. With his scarf, no, yeah. he puts his scarf on and pretends he was the little boy from the snowman. So, but I think I'm here, uh, you know. This isn't, this isn't your festival. Here, <laughs> probably, probably yeah. a better way to, to end it. You than... can do this. You can talk about your festival on the last ever Your Fest pod right now. <laughs> don't, give up, don't, don't give away my headline. It's just, a, <laughs> just right now. It's David Bowie. He's playing Heroes. We're sailing into Bristol. Kurt Cobain's can watch. He can stick around. That's fine. But for now, very noble of you. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around if you want, Kurt, mate. Dave Bowie's coming on in a bit. Oh, uh, much that is such an epic festival. Do you want to run through the festival in full, then, Tommy? Yeah, matching. Um, so we've got a your sorry matching your your fest is a festival on a cruise ship. As we all know, well, not we all know, but you know now, Matching is the world's greatest cruisition. Uh, so the benefits of that is there's no laws, meaning drugs are allowed. Not that we'd be doing them, but, you know, if you want to, you can do that. And there's no curfew. Um, so we had a few ideas for the names of the festival, one of them being Glaston Ferry, which I'm sad we didn't choose, but we went with Soundwaves. Um, oh, and a note that I've took, which we hopefully will take forward for all festivals next year when they're back on, is there will be a massive curtain, which I agree that should be there for every single festival in the world. Maybe um, on, but, the, um, on the 
imagery for the poster. Maybe sound waves could be behind the curtain. I'm just saying that like the, the logo uh, yeah. could be behind the curtain. Just look, look, mate, if I can't have the snowman at your festival, <laughs> you can't be dictating <laughs> what the artwork looks like. Uh, so, yeah, so we it, it could be a different location every year. That's the benefit of one of the other benefits of having it on cruise ship. But this year we're starting in Bristol and leaving to... I nearly said portfolio, but uh, Portofino. Can't read my writing. And it's a Friday, Saturday, fr- Friday, Saturday, Sunday festival. Oh yeah, and I've also got noted down that there is a helipad, which is important for flying the artists in there. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday festival. Friday is a Hindu vibe, and where Max is victoriously waving goodbye to his, his Bristol crowd, and um, the uh, the support act, I suppose, for that day is uh, Whitney Houston. And as you heard in the episode, we, there's a whole uh, there's a whole thing there, a whole horridge memory that will uh, <laughs> that Matcha needs to sort of get some equilibrium on. And the headliner for that day is Prince. Saturday, we've also got an matching kind of going against his own rules, but we'll we'll overlook that. And MTV no, unplugged. It's a, se- it's a separate section, so it's, I'm separate not just section. Any of MTV it in. unplugged. Radio One Live Line stage <laughs> with all the best uh, MTV unplugged Radio One Live Lines ever, such as. Uh, Jay Z, uh, George Michael, Nirvana, obviously Pearl Jam, uh, Lauren Hill, Clapton. Saturday, uh, we're around about Monaco at this point, and uh, we've got Beethoven with a 60 piece Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, and then he's doing his encore, and I believe it's Symphony Number no. Five, before Keith and Maxim from The Prodigy come in and victoriously hold his hands up. Can I, can I just add something in? When Beethoven introduces that, can he just start with, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is <laughs> symphony number five. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, we've got, uh, and then, yeah, Prodigy, one of the best festival bands ever. They're doing just an uh, epic set. Sunday, the final day, we'll have a wander around portfolio. And... <laughs> Uh, and then we're heading, we're heading back to Bristol. Very organised there. Yeah, <laughs> heading back to Bristol, um, and it's our uh, best of British day, and we've got the excellent, the incomparable, in my in Matchin's opinion, the Maccabees. Maccabees. Um, and I hope everyone got the Friends, Ross from Friends reference there. Um, and then headlining that day, it was a tough choice, but Matchin in the end went with David Bowie, who's doing all the hits. He's going to do Hunky Dory in full, uh, Freddie's going to come on for Under Pressure. And as we sell into Bristol, and in the festival is Heroes. Machin, Tandolka, thank you for coming on your fest. Thank you very much. Thank you. The first time I've ever clapped clap someone, but the, the thought that's gone into that over the past, what, six fucking weeks is yeah. uh, incredible. And if you'd like to win the opportunity to appear on a future episode... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was a fucking mint episode. Cheers for listening. Follow Matching on Twitter as at It's Matching and Instagram as at MattHoran1010. And follow me, Johnny, at Johnny Gabriel on Twitter. And please don't follow me on Instagram. Don't follow him. <laughs> and follow Tommy on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Andrews Join us next week for another episode of Your First. It's going to be a fucking belter.